Hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures, as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 2, Episode 8, Crossroad Blues, premiered on November 16th, 2006, directed by Steve Boyum and written by Sarah Gamble. We are... Natural, Natural friends. 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 We've got our pal Greg. We've got our guy Bruce. They've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean. We're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Supernatural friends. Supernatural friends. Remember, spoilers ahead. Bruce, you have a poll? I have a poll, <laughs> not not like the ones that we're experiencing right now, but <laughs> if Sam and Dean got control of the TV at the local bar, what sports, what, what sports game do they turn on? <laughs> because I couldn't think of like what you call an individual like match. I mean, you could just call it like what sport do they turn on? It's probably fine. I guess so. So what sports game do they turn on? You know, like I'm watching sports, not I'm watching sports game. <laughs> I'm watching the sports game. <laughs> um, I had baseball, football, hockey, and soccer. Um, it's like a two way tie. I guess you want to call it um, hockey and soccer at 17% and uh, baseball and football at 33%. So interesting. Interesting turnout. I did not. Uh, I did not think that was going to happen. What did you think was going to win? Um, football. I, I figured football, just because it felt like what, or hockey for some reason. But no, I figured baseball, like a nice you know midwestern sport. I thought football, but no particular reason. <laughs> yeah, also, I, I did, it, <laughs> it is weird to picture because they're from Kansas, but. I mean, especially now, they don't really have a real home. So, like, do they have a home team that they would root for? It's a great question. Probably not. This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean commit contract coercion when they help a man out of his deal with a crossroads demon. In the process, Dean struggles with his feelings about their father's own deal with the yellow-eyed demon. So it was a really cool opening scene. Um, That, like, old, like, blues bar um it was like all dark and like he's got like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and just playing all cool i i got a little bit of flashback back to like that um that elvis episode that we watched last season a little bit and i was like wait have we seen this before like it was it felt like a similar vibe elvis elvis am i thinking of a different episode here's the thing there's an episode of legends of tomorrow where they have oh my God. to uh, save Elvis. Um, and interestingly enough, there's a point in the episode where Elvis is in a shop and uh, the shop owner tells him that Robert Johnson owned the guitar that Elvis is going to buy. Oh, wow. I don't know how I got those mixed up. Um, so I thought that was a supernatural episode for some now, reason. Now, here's what I would love to hear. Um Fit Elvis into an episode of Supernatural for me. <laughs> I mean, is he? 
I think you could do that episode it's, just as supernatural. So the boys are time traveling, not Elvis is a ghost. Elvis could be a ghost. So that would be the episode Elvis is a ghost. Well, no, like he has his like his dead brother. And that's like spooky. Yeah. So but you're saying Sam and Dean go back in time. Oh, I see what you're saying, because, you know, Elvis. dead, yes. (laughs) Well, it could be a flashback, and then the spirit of his brother could, I I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. I'll write write it for next week. Chris's fanfic. I'm so excited. (laughs) So anyway, I really liked that opening (laughs) scene. Yeah, it was fun. It was a nice period piece. He threw that guitar on the ground, though. It was a little sad. Because he was running away from a hellhound. (laughs) So after our... Can you call it a flashback when no one in the present is involved? That's, I don't know what to call that. It's a flashback in the show, but is there a different term for... So we come back to the present, um, <laughs> to Sam and Dean in a diner, and uh, Sam's looking at Dean's new criminal record. I mean, the thing I appreciated most here is that they're talking about the fact that Dean is a wanted man. We didn't just drop that straight after last episode. Yeah, they're still keeping that perfect balance of uh, these things have consequences, but not so much that they're annoying. They have to they have to carry it over into this episode, but it's not immediately a plot issue for this episode. So that's fun. Right. We can kind of joke about it, but we don't have to like run from the cops every single episode. Yeah, yeah we give Sam that opportunity to be jealous about the fact that he's considered an innocent, <laughs> harmless young man. <laughs> I love how, like, the obviously it's a better to not be caught, but he just gives that little smirk and he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not jealous. I thought it was funny in this scene. You could hear the the grinding sound of an old laptop. Did you notice that? Oh, no, I didn't listen for it. Yeah, it's like that, you know, the is it the hard drive that spins? The hard, <laughs> the hard drive and the fan. Yeah. yeah. And I joke about it while my current laptop that I'm currently <laughs> using is louder than it is in that scene. But I thought it was funny that either that happened or they specifically put that sound in. They got the disguises back when they go talk to the first guy, the architect, I think. Were they writing a tribute for a magazine? Yes. Architects Digest. Nerds. <laughs> I bet Sam's actually subscribed. <laughs> Yeah, they go to talk to the dead architect's partner who is uh, pretty jealous and is able to point them in the direction of... Well, he's, he doesn't point them there, but he name drops a bar uh, by name, Lloyd's. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, right away, you can tell that, hey, something's, something's going to happen here because it has a specific name. <laughs> yeah, this trail of breadcrumbs was a bit too much for me. He randomly remembers and names that bar from 10 years ago. I can't remember how it was worked into the dialogue. It didn't jump out at me, but it jumped out at me later when I realized it was 10 years prior, not like a month ago. So our boy died and saying saying he saw black dogs. Yes, he reported to the police that there was a wild black dog in his apartment building, which he designed. So the boys then head to an animal protection center, I believe is what the sign for it says, um, and dig up any complaints about black dogs in the area. Oh, and while he's there, he got uh, Claire's MySpace account. 
Oh my god. I had to go back and re-listen to that part because I was like, did they just say what I think they said? <laughs> I had to think about it. What are we in? 2006? Yep. Yeah. So that's accurate. And I was like, wait, is that like a throwback to MySpace? But no, it's <laughs> just sign in the times. That old porn <laughs> site, MySpace. <laughs> old Tom. And the trail of complaints leads the boys to the home of the doctor. The doctor? Yeah, like Doctor Who. Yeah. Hey, who is that? Um no, I just thought it was like they were being very intentional with calling this woman the doctor. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Yeah. They referred to as the doctor like four times, I think. And maybe by name twice. Because it wasn't even like Doctor So and so. It was like the doctor. Yeah, it was the doctor. She she was like a surgeon too. It's not like she was just like Yeah. Like you could, you can mix it up. Just a family the doctor, doctor, the surgeon, yeah. calling her by name, but no, it was, it was very specifically the doctor many times, which was kind of funny. Um, but the with the help of the maid, the ever helpful maid, um, they find out that she also was an overnight success ten years ago, and also a patron of Lloyd's Bar. <laughs> yep, which we found from a Polaroid from a night out at that one particular bar. With its name written on the back, as you do in 2006. Um, in 1996, <laughs> Greg. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, good, good, oh, yes. That checks out. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I still have that criticism, but not not for digital <laughs> photography. Hey, yeah, Greg, pull up a photo of you from 1996 that your parents have. I bet there's writing on the back. I bet there's not. <laughs> How old were you in Justice Superman? I've seen it. <laughs> there's writing on that photo okay you might be right actually i i wasn't an adult in 1996 so i don't know what it's like to to hold on to a polaroid from that if no if there's no writing i won't remember where it was or what happened sorry bruce we interrupted you like six times <laughs> bruce stay out of this conversation <laughs> <laughs> who's talking to you? um no i was saying the polaroid was cool because i was thinking like if that was such a big change in their life, uh, that's probably why it was still on the refrigerator. Like that was like her moment where she just became this great thing. So she wanted to keep that night special and on the, so it wasn't too weird that it was just like, Oh, look at this picture of this random bar (laughs) that we were at. Um, So I thought that was not too far of a stretch, but I understand your, yeah. Struggle with this. Touche, Bruce. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, you know what, Bruce? That's a very good point. This is the night she made a deal with the devil, and she'll remember it forever. So the boys head out to Lloyd's Bar and don't even go inside because everything they need is just right there for them. They find yarrow flowers at the crossroad. They dig up the middle and find a box with graveyard dirt, a black cat bone, and a picture. That was such a small box. <laughs> that they magically found the middle of and perfectly dug it up. The, the middle of the intersection and yeah, yeah. and that, that one one shovel's worth of <laughs> hole. Um, I have no critique here. We've seen how great they are about digging. I think it still applies. Yeah, pretty good diggers. I mean, even if you're really good at digging, that's just that's spot on like uh, spatial awareness. Like <laughs> Just <laughs> with the contents of the box, they figure out that 
this isn't a black dog that they're after, but hellhounds, because someone has summoned and probably made a deal with a demon. Bum, bum, bum. And with that, we get to see someone murdered. Viciously. Viciously <laughs> killed. So my daughter really <laughs> loves... Well, so she's she's just sitting there watching her kid show on her, her tablet, and I'm watching Supernatural in the background. And, you know, she n- doesn't even care at all. But right at the scene, she decides that it's time to watch. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then afterwards, she goes, whoa. (laughs) So my daughter loves Supernatural, specifically the gory parts. That's how it happened with me. But just the opening scene, as soon as like uh, it starts getting suspenseful and like, I'm not sure what's going to happen gore wise my daughter's just staring at the tv like normally if it's like live action tv she doesn't care at all but she was just watching intently so i had to shut it off and watch it on my phone and when i got to this scene as soon as the dog showed up in this scene my daughter just happened to shout puppy it was really creepy (laughs) (laughs) Kids are creepy, man. Kids are creepy. With this death, I um, enjoyed how like smart the hellhound is shown to be. He tried, uh, just tried barging down the door. Um, didn't work, so he just jumped through the window. That was a pretty sweet like scene in general. Just like that glass like blowing out like towards her. Uh, it was just I I personally just enjoyed um, the, the fact that we had these hellhounds, but we couldn't see them throughout the episode. That was really cool. And it just, it made for a lot of fun effects. It made me laugh though, because I was watching with subtitles. So it worked without it, but <laughs> the subtitles specify that there's a snarl that makes her turn around. And so oh. <laughs> there's just complete silence. And in parentheses, it says snarl. And she turns around scared. <laughs> Specifically later in the episode when Sam is with um, the guy they're trying to save, they reminded me of the Reaper in faith because no one can see it except for the person that's being attacked by it. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. And yeah, when they're trying to save that guy, I was wondering if Sam was going to watch an invisible thing, kill someone again. Oh man. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that too. It it would have been much more violent with this dog though. This hellhound. I thought it was funny that Bruce named Eric Clapton's crossroads last week. Um, because the song originally titled Crossroad Blues has this mythology to it about uh, Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil. And Bruce didn't know that, but still like very closely referenced it. And if he did know it, he might have made some some good predictions for this episode, but he didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't remember your predictions. <laughs> so we head back. To Mississippi, 1930, and get to see Robert Johnson make his deal with the Crossroads Demon. So he buries the box, and there she appears. And I know you guys didn't even have to think it, but you're more than welcome to say it. Hey, who is that? That's right, it's our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guests featured on this week's episode of Supernatural. I mean, but you guys know you you guys know who she is already because you listen to me every time I do this segment. 
and you hold on and retain that knowledge, right? Yes. Then I don't have to tell you that it's our, our old pal, Christy Lang. Christy Lang. Who I don't have to tell you was the roommate Taylor back in Hookman. <laughs> is this our first one? This is uh, what I'll call the first real one. Yeah, because we've had like monster actors. Oh, that's right. We had to, yeah. uh, and we also had the uh, deputy slash um, oh, yeah, vendor brother. Was... Oh, yeah. But this was our first very easily recognizable reappearance of an actor. Yeah, Bruce, how long did it take you to notice? Yeah, I knew right away. <laughs> I absolutely did I not notice. No. But if you guys want to learn more about Christy Lang, head back to season one and listen to Hookman. And then we also have the wife of Evan Hudson, Julie Hudson, uh, played by Leah Cairns. Hey, who is that? Well, you might have recognized Leah from Sanctuary, Kyle XY, Battlestar Galactica, Fargo, Interstellar, Travelers, or, you know, maybe just a season 14 episode of Supernatural playing a completely different character. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on... Hey, who is that? I found it really interesting that... Um, and we'll see if we get an ex- explanation at some point that the crossroad demon has red eyes instead of black. There are different clans of demons. Well, now we got yellow, black, and red. Maybe there's a little hierarchy hierarchy, or, or uh, like you said, clans. That's fun. Clans is a fun theory. Okay. Do you think they just have contacts that they all switch out? Like, <laughs> you get promoted, you just get handed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so they just get colored contacts handed to them. I, uh, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Dean's argument about all these people have knowingly made a deal with a demon, supposedly knowing that they only have 10 years, but anything we witness does not show them specifying 10 years, but I guess it's a given. Um, so what do you guys think about, like, you know, let them have their comeuppance. It's, it's their deal. This question came up. Before we get to the the last guy who did it for altruistic reasons. Yeah, because he was basically like, well, why are we here? They brought this on themselves. What's, you know, um, I I think you can go two ways with this. One, his way does make sense when you think about it. Like, there's real no, like, oh, we have to save them because they put themselves in that predicament. But at the same time, like, if you want to think, like, if nurses, doctors, things like that, like, even though people do stupid stuff and get hurt, they still try to save them. So, like, yeah, it depends which way you want to think of them, I think. Okay, okay. Casey, do you have any thoughts? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Dum-dums, what'd you think? <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, I'm Bruce is right. Like, just because people make bad choices doesn't mean they're hopeless and we just have to let them suffer whatever fate so i'm i'm with sam on this one this is another one of those ones where i feel like dean just came out of nowhere with like that left hook like let him die (laughs) (laughs) just it's just like whoa (laughs) just yeah i mean once again the show does a good job of showing you just like bloody mary where it's like well she's killing these people that that 
caused other people to die. But then it turns out like, no, she's very overzealous and killing completely innocent people. This time it's, oh, well, they made this deal like for fame and glory or whatever. They deserve it. Oh, this, this poor guy just, he wanted his life, his wife to live. Um, so the show helps the audience feel the right way, <laughs> you know, like kind of holds their hand as far as, um, this is how we think you should feel about this. <laughs> um, so I'll go along with it. That was a cool one though, because like, especially the saving his wife, because I think that would be the more common one, I think, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have problems in our lives that like, if we could snap our fingers and fix um, it would happen. But it's almost what those people were doing. The people who were wanted really good at guitar, who wanted to build houses, it's possible that they were doing terribly financially and wanted to help themselves. So like it's, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> um, I don't know. It'd just be an interesting dilemma. I'm curious what I would pick even if I got that type of power. I thought George's character was a fun concept of like, you, you hear this story, uh, especially Robert Johnson, like selling his soul to, to be really good at guitar. And it's, it's a fun concept to say like, well, there's a lot of luck involved with becoming famous. Maybe not a lot of luck, but there is like, you can be very, very talented and not end up being famous. And I thought that was really neat to, to add in there. So, I mean, while we're talking about it, do you guys just want to hear more about Robert Johnson? Yeah, I do. Yes. So, so do you guys know like a lot about Robert Johnson at all? No. Not a lot. What do you know of Robert Johnson? I know Robert Johnson 100% totally sold his soul to the devil for his skills. Right. And I think the Karate Kid did a movie with about him. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I mean, not about him, but uh, related to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the first important distinction is that uh, Robert Johnson was very similar to our side character, George, here. And the fact that Robert Johnson never became famous while he was alive. Um, And it wasn't for many years after he died um, when some of his stuff was re-released in 1961. And that's when people really started to know his name and that's why robert johnson is such an influence on like rock and roll because that's what a lot of those guitarists grew up listening to was robert johnson and they were able to learn to play like him and then you get that influence in the late 60s 70s 80s it was 1930 in robinsonville mississippi and 19 year old robert johnson an aspiring blues mu- musician was hanging out at a juke joint where Delta blues legends Sun House and Willie Brown were playing to a packed house. Between sets, Johnson dared to pick up one of the musician's guitars and play his own stuff, but the crowd wasn't having it. He started to play it and be just noising the people, you know, recalls Sun House. In Remastered, Devil at the Crossroads, a Robert Johnson documentary on Netflix. And the folks, they'd come out and say, why don't some of y'all go down and make that boy put that thing down? He running us crazy. The club owners tossed Johnson out of the Robinsonville juke joint, and that was the last that anybody heard of him for a full year. Johnson simply disappeared from the Delta. Then one night, 
While House and Brown were playing another gig in Banks, Mississippi, in walks Johnson with a guitar case strapped to his back. House elbowed Brown and pointed mockingly at little Robert. Boy, now where are you going with that thing? House asked Johnson. To annoy somebody to death again? But this time, something was different. Johnson took out his instrument, a regular six-string guitar fitted with an extra seven-string, something neither House nor Brown had seen before. But that wasn't the only new thing. Johnson had acquired an insane skill level and an unusual technique, strumming a series of rapid-fire chords that made the guitar sound almost like a piano, a piano with three hands playing it. How could this kid, who was lousy enough to get kicked off the stage in Robinsonville, return just a year later as the most talented blues guitarist in the Delta? To the stunned crowd in Banks, Mississippi, there was only one explanation. Johnson had made a deal with the devil. When the soul-selling story was told of Robert Johnson, he did little to dispel the rumor. In fact, he may have cultivated the devilish connection. Of the 29 songs Johnson recorded before his untimely death at only 27 years old, there were Crossroad Blues, Hellhound on My Trail, Me and the Devil Blues, and Up Jump the Devil. Stephen Johnson, singer, a preacher, and vice president of the Robert Johnson Blues Foundation, has a far more earthly explanation for how his grandfather Robert transformed seemingly overnight from an awkward amateur into the guitar-playing genius who has inspired generations of world-famous musicians, including Bob Dylan, Keith Richards, and Eric Clapton. I suggest that people step outside of the myth and try to understand the talent, says Johnson in an interview. Just because Michael Jordan was as great as he was on the court, does that mean that he sold his soul to the devil? No, he practiced. And he practiced twice as hard as everybody else. By Stephen's calculation, his grandfather's mysterious absence from the Delta music scene stretched to closer to three years, not just one. And he spent those years back in his hometown of Hazelhurst, Mississippi, learning at the feet of guitar great like Zimmerman. Robert had returned to Hazelhurst looking for his biological father, Noah Johnson, but found Zimmerman instead. Zimmerman would take Johnson out to the local cemetery at midnight to play to the tombstones and departed spirits. No matter how bad you sound out here, Zimmerman says in the Netflix documentary, nobody is going to complain. And the practice certainly paid off. On his recordings, Johnson was simultaneously playing a disjointed bass line on the low strings, rhythm on the middle strings, and lead on the treble strings while singing at the same time, Eric Clapton admiringly recounted in his autobiography, according to Vanity Fair. It sounded like several people were playing at the same time. Johnson's finger-picking style set the template for the blues. But when Stephen Johnson listens to his grandfather's music, he doesn't hear a callous heathen, but the voice of a man who wanted to do better and be better, but who was weighed down by painful memories, sin, and pride. Even the song Crossroad Blues, which casual listeners might think is a retelling of Robert's fateful midnight meeting with the devil, means something much different to Stephen. I went to the crossroad, fell down on my knees, sings Johnson in his eerie and cool voice. Ask the Lord above, have mercy, now save poor Bob, if you please. Does that sound like a man who was making a deal with the devil, asked Stephen. He was at a crossroads in his life, and that's what, and that's what my granddad did at the crossroads. He was searching and trying to do good. I feel like I need to give this guy a listen now, just out of how much we've talked about him. <laughs> yeah, it said like 29 songs or something. That's that's like a couple hours, maybe tops.
And I'm pretty sure all of his songs were recorded in like two separate recording ses- sessions in like the two years before he died. It's crazy. While we're with George, um, we dive into something that we haven't talked about for a while on Supernatural, um, Hoodoo. So I always really like it when we can tie back to something that has like real actual lore to it. Hoodoo is something that is actually practiced. And we've talked about elements of hoodoo before. Um, and like crossroads are a very real thing with hoodoo. Um, so is goofer dust. But it is nothing at all like, or at least from what I could find, goofer dust is nothing at all like it's presented in the show. So he says that it's used to keep away demons. Um, goofer dust is actually a hexing material uh, typically used in spells to harm people. Yeah. Is this a weapon? <laughs> I'm, I'm reading it yeah, right now. Yeah, so in practice, it's often used to create illness in victims, such as swelling of the legs or blindness. I really uh, thought they were going to like ask him about it more when that came up, by the way, because <laughs> they were just like, oh, that. And then it just kind of went nowhere from there. It's like, yeah, you haven't heard of it? They know a little about a lot. That was a really cool. <laughs> Continuing our talk of the best character in the episode, George. Um, <laughs> I like this idea where he knew that these other people made deals with this demon. So he just kept a lookout for them. I'm sure he feels guilty to some certain extent. Summoning her. George ends up pointing the boys in the direction of Evan Hudson. And so they head to Evan's house. And... Dean just loves kicking indoors. I mean, he's pretty good at it, so... He's great w- at it. I would very much enjoy kicking indoors if I was that good at it. <laughs> you know when we had the conversation in the beginning of the episode, though, when Sam was like, we should probably be a little more careful? <laughs> I don't know if kicking down doors when you can pick locks is the... They didn't have time to pick the lock then. I I guess... <laughs> One day they're going to run in and it's not going to be something going. Actually, it's happened at this point. <laughs> something is not going on. So they will call the police. Um, I just really enjoy the uh, contrast in characters of Dean wanting to kick down the next door and Sam just opening it. <laughs> Good motive for a deal. I don't know his name. He made a good deal. I mean, it's still not a good deal, but like better than everyone else. Dean brought up a cool point, though, um, where it was like that he wasn't doing it for he was only doing it for himself. So even though it wasn't a selfish act, it it was, though. And I thought that was a neat turnaround on like uh, he's doing a really good thing. But is he, though? It was, it was a neat question. I think it's a very thin argument to say it that way. Yeah, it had some selfish motivation, but she still got to live 10 more years than she would have before. She got to live many more years than she would have before. Yeah, she got to live 10 more years with him than Mm. before. Like, it's not to me, it's not the same as the deal that um, their dad made where he died instantly, essentially. Mm -hmm. They did get more time together. I thought it was more like in my mind, he was kind of referring back to the uh, what's dead should stay dead thing. Um, even though she wasn't dead, he's he's messing with like the natural <laughs> order of life at that point. So like I was kind of thinking maybe that's where he was going with that. So then Dean goes to make a deal with the devil and a we're demon. all. F- yeah, it's more fun to say, though. 
I'm fine with it. Go ahead, Boost. Use it. <laughs> um, and we're all wondering what he's going to do. You think he's going to do something crazy. And then they lead you on to think that he's going to do something crazy for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you think he was going to go through with it? I, w- I, I did, actually, because I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those episodes that changes the whole season. <laughs> But then they like psych you out where they're like, oh, she, you know, he's given up, but maybe he's going to try again. Maybe he's going to do something else. No, he's not. He's always one step ahead. Did you see the trap coming? The second trap? No, I was actually, fo- he was acting Jensen, right? <laughs> yes. Was, Jensen was acting really well. Um, his, he got the like teary eyed going on. That, I was like, oh man, this is really quiver. getting to him. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> so I really thought something crazy was going to happen. So I think it's just because it was my second or third time seeing this that just the entire time I was like, all right, when's the trap? Because when you rewatch this, it's so ridiculously obvious how he's going under that water tower. Um, but I don't think I felt that the first time. So it's... it. It suffers from a rewatch, but I mean, most shows do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of fun moments in this scene with the Crossroads Demon. Uh, Dean gets the confirmation that Dad did make a deal, so 100% it's known now. Um, and we also find out that the demons have a newsletter that they circulate. <laughs> I'm going to take that literally. Talk to each other. <laughs> and um, That'd be pretty funny. But Greg, I, I am sorry that you had to hear the phrase again that you hate so much. Uh, like father, like son. Oh my god! <laughs> no, see, because it's it's good in this one. She meant to say it. When you're speaking in idioms, you do mean to say them, and yeah. <laughs> I am getting concerned about this demon's habits of not looking up. Right. <laughs> the only two times we've seen a devil's trap work have been on the ceiling. I guess that makes sense. Like you can't put them on the floor where they're walking. Well, you could. They just. See him. <laughs> but they can hide them. Do you think he intentionally left the first trap like a little bit around his uh, car? I was wondering that. I don't think so. I think he his intention was to make sure that no matter where she got in the car, that she would be trapped inside. The, yeah, inside the trap. But then he had the backup of the water tower just in case, not as his like plan A. I think it was a plan B. I like that theory because it's smart. It's very smart to do. And um, it shows like all the stuff that looked obvious to me on a second watch was, you know, him slowly leading her to the second spot. Um, It was very dragged out because he didn't intend to go there in the first place. So he was really stalling. Um, and it was just, it was a real John Winchester move, you know, it was, it was genius. Yeah, it was really good. And then they reversed the deal and then they broke the seal and then they're set. Are you guys starting to get the feeling that Sam is just like completely over his 170 that he scored on the LSATs? Com- what do you mean by completely over it? I mean, before John died, you know, that Sam was talking about the potential of going back to school. Um, but now he's just fully gung ho on this is what they do now. They're part of their father's legacy is the hunting that they do. So he's just fully committed, never going back. Yeah, I think so. He, he made that speech today. T- 
today in this episode <laughs> <laughs> about uh you know how it's dad's like their dad's legacy that every life that they save is part of his legacy um and yeah it sounded like he was over it and i was i was thinking back i was like well what were we waiting on like oh yeah they still don't have the yellow eyed demon so it's still a non issue but i i am starting to think after they get old yellow eyes I think he's pretty committed. I like to think that uh, the series finale is him like doing like one of those like 2000 ending of a movie. It's like he's walking around leaving with his backpack, going back to college. <laughs> I was really disappointed in the music this episode. Not disappointed, but they had so many good opportunities. Number one, Crossroads in general. Like we couldn't get the Clapton, you know, cover going. What? I mean, why Why would you want two versions of it in the same episode? Because <laughs> you can't yeah, ignore well, well, the Robert Johnson I'm, one. Right. But like at the end or something like that, as they're driving down the road, I don't know, just for Dean, like we have this like 70s like uh, rock vibe going. So it, it just feels like it would have fit a little better. Um, but specifically Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. I, th- I thought it was coming. <laughs> like <laughs> just I was like, oh, they they said the I mean, thing. <laughs> We haven't had a black dog yet, so maybe they're saving it. That's true. I just, I just really like when they use real music. I I get so excited. I mean, these were all real songs. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Music I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I like when they use songs that I know. So, so what you're saying is it's a missed opportunity to cater to you. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. Hey, okay. you guys remember 2006 when Bruce wasn't watching this TV show? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of missed opportunities back then. 14 years from now, we need to make sure he's comfortable watching this episode. Reviews? Reviews. Reviews. I give this episode eight Crossroads Demons out of 10. So this this rating mostly comes from my love for Crossroads Demon lore. Like, I don't read up on it much, but for some reason... I think it's a fascinating concept um, in lore. Um, so it's a fun story overall with some moral questions about selling your soul. And I think uh, this episode was hurt by the lack of subtlety when it comes to Dean's emotions, which tends to happen in this show. Um, and that combined with, well, for me, what was an obvious trap, but I do know it was my second time watching it. Um, but that that brings the score down to eight crossroad demons out of ten. Seven out of ten black dogs that aren't really black dogs, they're just other hell hounds. <laughs> nice. This was a fun story. Um, I really enjoyed the different parts of it. It didn't feel like we were on one. We were on one path, but there were multiple parts to it. We had the red-eyed demon, which is kind of its own thing. And then we had, like, uh, the dogs as well um, doing their own thing as well. And then we had, like, the lore of the crossroads. I, I enjoyed the effects. They were a little hokey, especially the um, the digging on the floor at one point. I think it shows the claws of the dog, like... Uh, those those effects didn't really uh, age very well. Um, but like I said, I loved the uh, glass shattering and her being drug across the room. Uh, just uh, some fun scenes there. Um, 
So seven out of 10 black dogs that aren't really black dogs and they're hellhounds. <laughs> I give this one an eight and a half crossroad demons out of 10. I think it was a really cool story. Um, we got not devas in the hellhounds. I mean, that's kind of like a negative thing for for me. We had devas back in shadow, um, which were shown very similarly to what hellhounds are. It's just a thing you can't see that rips you apart. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but I like having this element again of a monster that only the person being attacked by it can see. I think to me that whole concept is really fun. But the best thing for me in this episode is how much unknown setup you get in it. Bruce, barely spoilers for you. You'll be surprised by how much how much setup just for like the rest of the show this episode has actually done. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this that pays off down the road in really cool ways. So I know that does a lot for it for me. Just seeing where some later stuff comes from is really cool. And also this framing story we have of Robert Johnson, which honestly didn't have a whole lot to do with the episode, which normally for me might drag it down. But I like that we kind of showed off this historical figure who has a large influence on modern day music um, and is a real piece of urban legend so yeah he didn't play in a lot but it's something really fun to talk about in relation to the episode that we watched so overall eight and a half out of ten next week on supernatural we're watching season two episode nine croatoan when sam has a vision of dean killing a young man who seems to be possessed by a demon the two brothers head to oregon to search for answers so we're going to oregon that's exciting um not a whole lot to go off of in that uh, summary. I'll be curious if that person really is possessed. I'm going to go. N- he's not. They just think he is in the dream. They get there and he is not possessed, but just really bad. Do you think Dean finally gets to kill a guy? I can't do it. It's it's not time for him to turn. Yet. <laughs> it's not time for his heel turn. So no, so no on Dean killing a guy. No. Couple predictions just from this episode. Dean at some point in this season um will have to decide whether to bring dad back or not. Um since we have this like idea of making the deals, um he knows that's something that he can do in the future. Um he won't do it because what dead should stay dead, but I think somebody else is going to do it um to bring him back. We don't know who yet though. So you're predicting John Winchester is coming back to life. Oh, absolutely. Heck He's going to yeah. come back. All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny in this episode if he did that. <laughs> You'd just be so <laughs> mad. <laughs> Split flop. Yeah, and he'll make another deal. <laughs> no, Wait, no. Send his <laughs> ass right back here. <laughs> just keep doing it over and over. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Natural Friends Podcast and Twitter at Nat Friends Pod. Thank you to our fans and our wives for continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, Natural, Natural Friends. friends. We're attempting to record this episode on November 3rd, 2020. So, 
apologies. <laughs> I'm totally focused. 